Lovewell Creative, in partnership with Crosswalk Church, presents the Sacred Echo Podcast. In this podcast, we'll hear from the teaching team from Crosswalk Church about the upcoming sermon series, sermons, how they process, about faith, life, love, and friendship as well. For more information on Crosswalk Church, go to www.crosswalkvillage.com. Welcome in, everybody. Uh, you're here at the Sacred Echo Podcast. We apologize for last week not happening, but there was inclement weather in Portland, and we're just going to blame it on that. Yep. Doesn't that make sense? We're, we're, bla- it's pa- we're blaming everything on that. Fair. Uh, yeah. um, actually, we were all up in Portland together. We were working on stuff, and one of the things we were supposed to work on was doing the Sacred Echo Podcast, but we were working on other stuff and actually forgot to do it. And then Got we were away. all worried about... Yeah, Dave and I were both worried about getting out of Portland. We made it out of Portland. Patty is stuck in Portland, but I guess he lives there, so it's not as big a deal. Um, they canceled church last week because of inclement weather. Um, anyway, we're just we're just glad to be here with you now, and we're talking about our new wine series. Uh, how are you guys doing, by the way? Uh, well, just to carry on the conversation, uh, Portland did just send out, like in the last, I don't know, it was in the last 30 minutes, uh, a request for people to stay home. So we're still, we're still in it. Yeah. Yeah. Freezing rain, ice, all over places, all that kind of stuff. Power outages, uh, those kinds of, they keep telling us it's going to warm up, but uh, Mm. it hasn't yet. So other than that, I'm I'm doing great. I just saw that there was a new storm coming in. Like it's going to hit you again this weekend. So are you guys going to cancel again this weekend? uh, We we don't have talk about that yet. (laughs) We're we're planning. I don't know why. I don't know why we would know about the weather more than you would, but exactly. <laughs> maybe. So it's one of those things that it, you know, it can change uh, here so quickly. So it's, it's hard to know, but yeah, we're good. We're fine. Good. Good. Yeah. And Dave, how are things in Chattanooga? <sighs> well, so I'm not going to lie to you uh, and, and try to keep keeping this onto Patty's head. We had two days of school cancellation here. Um. Uh, I sent you guys a picture of the um, the rough snow we were yeah. experiencing. It nearly, at one point, it nearly was uh, an inch and a half of. I was going to say, but with your your picture you sent, Dave, would you can still see the grass? Oh, and, everything, and it's yes. called a blizzard. I feel you like can just feel uh, so you can see just a little hint that there must be snow. But the issue really was it was <laughs> right around freezing, and so around here, man, they don't have. Shoulders on the roads, they have extraordinarily yeah. steep roads, so people start sliding, and it's it's like they it goes nuts. So all it takes is a good hearty conversation about snow, and there are cancellations. And so the university canceled school, the school wow. system canceled school, and then there's this. There's another weather warning because it's like it's been like low twenties um, wow. all week long here, which is unusual, very unusual. Mm-hmm. Um, Today, it's going to warm up to about 44 and then dip back down. So this evening, as it gets dark, they're worried about ice covering the roads. And so tomorrow will be another who knows. Yeah. <laughs> well, it listen, you know, it's kind of silly. But anyway, we've been we've been suffering here, too. I, yesterday was 71 <laughs> degrees. Yeah. 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 So, so I feel you. I feel you, brothers. Yeah. I feel you. Get your get your parka close. Uh, hey, Given I, what you've been through, Tim, you're you're looking good. Well, it's uh, thank- yeah. <laughs> it's been a trial, that's for sure. <laughs> Listen, I talked to somebody this uh, week who is in South Dakota, 
and they they canceled church this last weekend. But they said, yeah, but usually in January we don't meet because you know it's like minus sixty. Um, so it could always be worse. Could always be yeah. worse. Maybe not for them. Maybe they're the worst. <laughs> yeah. Maybe yeah, not for right. them. <laughs> but um, okay, let's let's jump on topic. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about new wine. We are in the series now. We're moving into week three, uh, week one, and week two. We really leaned into the Luke text, and I used the Matthew text a little bit this last week um, to talk about you know, what God, what God is doing. And, uh, we spent some time talking about refreshing the wineskins, um, as well as how that fit within scripture. It was, it was an interesting moment for me because, you know, refreshing the wineskin preaches so well, right? You can refresh the old wineskin and it would have been great if that's what Jesus said. Um, the only problem is that's not what he said, right? He yeah, was talking about but, brand new. Go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. Tim, I no, I was just going to say like, first of all, I, uh, because I was home watching you from the comfort of my couch, drinking my coffee, <laughs> sitting by my fire. It was so fantastic. That's just uh, bragging. That's all that. Yeah, is. it is bragging. <laughs> well, it's interesting because, you know, in our faith tradition, we talk about this thing called uh, Sabbath. And mm-hmm. and I had one. It was amazing. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, so it's a pastor joke, probably. Yeah, um, for sure. But but no, I just thought it was such a that your message was really impactful for me. Um, it was so graceful to talk about the idea of you know look we're not we're not just looking to burn down you know the old um, you know we're we're in a place of trying to replenish and and I know that that's what I, I thought about that more after your message. I know that's what Jesus said, and I you know I get the Greek your language and your exegesis of that was really good, but is that how he lived? in his time yeah. because you know because here he we we, ha- we find him weeping over jerusalem um you know with in the in the shadow of the cross he's weeping over jerusalem i think because he tried mm-hmm. yeah i think you know he tried to replenish he tried to bring some of them back and and look it had its impact obviously i mean it grew out of uh, judaism there were jews that were uh, so sold out to the way of jesus um but by and large the the religion um didn't uh, replenish and didn't go, but, but I think Jesus tried. And, yeah. and so I think that's a bit of the, the, the bridge there for us and what, what we're doing with, with Crosswalk. Hmm. Yeah. So Dave, I, how did you approach great. the text this week? So <clears throat> I don't know, somewhere maybe in the air over Minnesota, <laughs> between Portland and Chicago, I became a little bit enthralled with, and we were talking about it a little bit together when we were together, but um, with this notion of new and its connection to the word change. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> human beings, uh, very few of us are, are, are change positive. We're usually change averse, right? Mm-hmm. At least in certain sorts of ways, right? Um, and so we can get ruffled really fast with regard to change. And then I started thinking about the subject of God and change and the question if he ever changes, right? And of course, we've got great scriptures, Malachi, I am the Lord, I never change. Um, you know, Paul writes that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I started to play with this question, is it possible that God never changes and he always changes, that both of those two things can be true. Mm. Um, and I started to think about the condescension of Christ, the, the, the passages about how Jesus did not um, choose to see his place in heaven as something to hold on to, 
but to let go of and humble himself and change. And yeah. this whole gospel is new and is change. And then I started to think about how, well, we like to think of what Jesus did somewhere in our past as the change, right? Mm -hmm. But the God who would change to be there then would change to be here now, even if that change is different from yesterday's change, right? So if you follow right. me here, God <laughs> is in a constant state of change and newness and um, condescension to where we are today. And we all can easily think of what was going on in yesterday's world as what is normal. I shared the, the example of a young lady who, um, who came and spent about five, six years as an associate for me in the youth department at, at Pennsylvania. And she thought of me as old as dirt. I mean, when she first started working with me, I was 28, very oh, old. So old. And she would regularly use the phrase, that's so 80s. Because <laughs> if, you, if you track where, how old I was, you know, all that, which to her meant the 90s, that's not a 90s thing. That is an eternal, everlasting fashion or whatever, right? Because we kind of all lock in on whatever is our thing, our normal, that's the thing, right? But we're in a constant I mean, look, there are things going on today that we could never have envisioned. And right. Jesus condescends to today. And we can, if we're not careful, hold on to a God who never changes. Which incidentally, I'd never done this. I went back to Malachi and just kind of exegeted a little bit further. Um, he rolls into that, I never change, with comments about how I'm paying attention to you. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, what I'm noticing is you do not support the widows and the orphans right. and and probably the, uh, sorry if this is inflammatory, but probably the most accurate word is immigrants. Mm -hmm. um, and look, I am the Lord who never changes. Well, so here he's about to blast them, right? And the follow-up verse right. is, therefore, I'm, I'm the Lord that never changes. Therefore, I will not destroy you, O Judah. Hmm. Plot twist. <laughs> the never changing part of God is that he is so bent on not destroying us and he keeps coming to us in our differences, in our changing cultures, in our mm -hmm. collapsing families, in all of our situations. He's never changing and he is always changing. And right. I found that to be fascinating to really delve into and led to a great, I think, moment that I could see on the faces of our of our attendees of, man, he can be here for me, even though I've been suspicious. I'm the only one like me, and I can see why he could come for everybody else. But I mean, really, no, I don't think I fit. Oh, that's good. good. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a um, that, that concept of change is really interesting to me. Um, especially in light of, you know, God says he never changes, but does that mean we never should? Does that mean the church never should? Does that mean, and not to mention the fact that Jesus is talking about new wine, which we interpret from that time as being, you know, kind of the establishment of Christianity. Although I, I question whether or not Jesus came to set up another strain of religion. I'm mm. not sure that. I'm not sure that that's, he would have, it just seems like he would have been way more organized if he was like, okay, now this is what we do. Um, more than like, okay, I just, I'm going to need you to love differently than you have. And you can love 
you can actually love in your context. You can, you maybe don't have to leave something to continue to love in the way that I'm asking you to love. Um, that's probably another discussion for another time. But, um, you know, as we look at that text, we have to be careful. And I think this is what I struggled with. It's really easy for me to talk about new wineskins and make the old wineskin the tradition that I've come from. Mm. Right? Because that's how, how it feels. But but Jesus wasn't talking about, you know, a different interpretation of Seventh-day Adventism or whatever. Jesus was talking about, um, I think, as much as he was talking about systems, he was also talking about people, right? That sometimes you need to be renewed, you need to be refreshed. I used the text in, um, oh, now I'm not even going to remember where it was. I think it's Ezekiel, where he says, I'm going to give you a new heart. Yeah. I'm going to give you a new heart, because you've got a stony heart, so you need a new one. Like, I can't, if I break up that stone, it's just dust. So what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to give you a new heart that's flexible and pliable and, 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 you know, is gracious, quite honestly. Yeah. 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 And so I landed in that text too with the question, yeah. is that a one-time offer? Uh, right. New heart? Mm-hmm. Um, because, and, and to really look at the fact that we are very cyclical in our need for new, and that's the beauty of the wineskin metaphor. Mm-hmm. It implies this will repeatedly happen. Yeah. Right. Well, and that, that was David's prayer as part of his repentance, right? That give me a new heart, um, mm-hmm. uh, creating me a pure heart and renew a right spirit within me. I mean, that's a, that, that for me is a daily prayer. That, that's not something that, that it happened and now I'm good, which, which I think actually leads us into, you know, our, our passage for this week really well, because John 15 and, and, uh, you know, Jesus is the vine and, and the father is the gardener and the words of remaining in him or abiding in mm-hmm. him or staying in him, that that's all about what, what happens, you know, in that process is he's constantly renewing us. He's, right. he's constantly giving us that growing our ability to love and to be gracious and to produce fruit of the spirit, um, over the fruit of the world, you know? And, and so I think that's kind of the, it's the prescription of how this, how this happens on a, on a daily basis is, is what we find in this week's passage. Yeah. And this week's passage, like it, it has actually been, if we're not careful, it can be a very dangerous passage because what we have a tendency to do, I think in, in kind of in Christianity is we have a tendency to, to diminish the fruit to being simply evangelism. Right. Mm. So if you're not duplicating, you're not creating fruit. Uh, The problem is scripture speaks about the fruits of the spirit being kind of this plethora of love, joy, kindness, steadfastness, you know, all those things. And so, um, so when we, when we look at this text as only how many other Christians are you making, um, that's not, that puts people in a situation where they're like, well, I haven't converted anybody. Mm -hmm. Am I a fruit that God's going to prune? And then we've misunderstood the idea of pruning to, yeah. to cutting off and throwing away because we mix those texts a little bit without being careful. We miss, you know, we've got 15.2 and then we've got 15.6 and 6 says, you know, but what 6 says, and I, I think this is fascinating, is those who do, do not remain, right? So those who are, who, who take themselves away from the sustenance, right? You don't produce anything. You're just withering and dying, and so you're not. You're you're not. That's when we talk about. And then what's fascinating is that over the over the last two thousand years, we've made a case for hell from fifteen six, <laughs> right? Eternal <laughs> torment from fifteen six. So, like I had to spend as I've preached this, you know, for the sites already. Um, I had to spend a lot of time. Like, hey, 
this, first of all, don't diminish this to just evangelism or else many of us are going to feel like, well, I never, I never made another Christian, right? So I guess I'm not a good fruit. And now I'm concerned that God's just going to cut me off. And if he cuts me off, then he's going to throw me and then I'm worthless. And then I'm going to eternally torment. And like, there's so much of that we don't, a, we don't believe in from a theological perspective, but but B, um, did I say A or did I say one? Is you it said one? A. Am I now number two? You went yeah. with I'm a. On D. You're on. You. <laughs> I, I do that a lot. Sometimes I'm like one B. Um, now I can't even remember what B was. <clears throat> well, but I think we can be dangerous with that text if we're not careful. Yeah. So I mean. two different things. I'd love to talk about both quickly. The, the the culmination of the metaphor with fruit, I think you could actually take the metaphor further to where fruit, the fruit of the vine gets used, right? And, and that's mm-hmm. at the banquet, mm-hmm. at the wedding in Cana, right? So mm-hmm. I think right. evangelism is the part where the party happens, that the fruit is actually what happens in us. And this, this brings up the conversation that I've been Good. having recently, mm-hmm. that um, what's going on in and I'll just, we'll, I'll localize it. <clears throat> I think I could say this more broadly, but I'll just localize it. What's happening in Chattanooga right now is that people who have not been used to being comfortable around churchiness, mm-hmm. maybe they were hurt, maybe they just never connected, maybe it's not their thing for one reason or another. Maybe they have a friend or maybe they have a hunger, whatever. It, they come to our doors, they come in and they are greeted warmly they're given a cup of latte they they uh, the excellence the 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 welcome the texture the feeling it's like ah i could be here i could be here yeah and so they come back and they come back and they look around and they see so many people are serving in so many different ways and some of them are things that look fun to them even and they say well, could could i be involved in that hey what if i were to help with that can I help serve coffee? Can I go over there and do that? What about, I, I love what you're doing with technology or whatever, right? Right. And then along the way, they've been there now for a little while and they're serving and they get to the place of, of saying, you know, I, I feel like I'm a part of this family. Can we talk about what it means to be a part of this family? And I see that as a result of the grapes <laughs> of- right. Christian mm-hmm. walk that our people are just living out. They're not wandering right. around saying, "Hey, I have a little something I'm going to drop on your door. I'm ho- your your porch. I'm hoping you're not home because <laughs> I'd like to just put this pamphlet. When was the last time you really thought about that word on your door? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna carpet bomb urinals and gas station pumps with literature. No, 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 no." <laughs> Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, by the way, the urinal is the best place oh. to get reading material. Yeah, right? it's, it's that's just it's, weird. It's a it's a distant second place, but common second place for it to be tucked in the handle of a gas station pump, so you can't even pump right. the gas without getting that thing into the trash, right? Right. But you know the 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 fruit is the fact that these people you would want to be around them, and right. they care about you. And they're loving and they're accepting and they're non-judgmental and they're, th- this is fruit like you were, like you were um, describing out of Galatians 5. That's fruit. And then the fruit yeah. gets used in an awesome 
thing that happens at a banquet and, you know, right. So I think the metaphor travels even further than just the grape clusters at the end of the vine. That's living life. Why shouldn't even evangelism be just the direct result of being fully alive in Christ publicly? And I think, I think that's exactly what Jesus is speaking about, right? I think by and large, and that's why this leads us to this discipleship conversation at the end of the day, because it's about sustainability. It's about, it's about being close to the vine. It's about making sure that we have that sustenance. It's about being pruned as well. Um, and, and, you know, I think through this whole thing, through writing the series guide and, and the study for, for this, for this series and this sermon. Um, one of the things that got me is like, first of all, I never understood pruning. Mm. Like I just didn't know, really know what it was about. Right. I've got, I've got spiritually know, 15, or, or, you know, no, like, like general, literally, like, yeah, I'm not general, really okay. into animal husband or uh, plant husbandry. Is that <laughs> what they say? All right, yeah. Or animal, pruning that way. Well, that's <laughs> yeah. a whole other Montana <laughs> ranch that's, situation. That's a different thing. Um, no, I just didn't understand it. Right. All I knew is that when all my oranges fall off my trees, I got to cut it really quick. But as I went through this, I'm realizing, oh, like, hey, I should actually be looking at the branches that I'm cutting and seeing which ones are bearing fruit, which ones need to be kind of redirected. Um, And one of the things that caught me is that when you prune, and we experienced this literally on Sunday, my wife and I were cutting. um, And when I say my wife and I, she was cutting the rose bushes and I was standing there um, philosophically thinking about how we were pruning this, this bush. And... (laughs) And we were cutting one of the branches and it was sick and you could see it like it had rotted in the middle. But then she cuts at one point and I was like, oh, that, that one's, it's fine now. Like we got to the root of the problem and it wasn't the whole vine. And now if I know roses and I barely do, um, we're going to have that branch that we cut to where the sickness was gone. That thing's going to produce a ton. I mean, we cut, we cut this this bush back really far because it had some disease and we need to get rid of it. But when we cut that all off, I'm really anxious to see how that's going to regrow. And what I thought this metaphor, Jesus is talking about rather than a God who comes and is cutting off limbs and throwing them in the fire. He's like, this, this gardener is going to help you produce more fruit. And sometimes that's, you know, the, the process of some painful realization in your life and cutting, cutting you down, not cutting you down. Cause that again, sounds like this God who's, you know, kind of bushwhacking through his garden, yeah. carefully thinking about how to, to, to cleanse you, which is what the NIV uses, right? Cause when Jesus says, mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, you don't, you don't need this because you've been cleansed. You've been pruned by God. He cleansed you already. So how do we clean up those branches so that they produce more fruit? Because in the end, it's always about the production of fruit, which he ties in at the end and says, by the way, this production of fruit is what glorifies God. Essentially, I'm paraphrasing there. But like the way that you live your life, the way these fruits are expressed into the world is what glorifies God. And it dawned on me, um, you know, if people know who God is by our fruit, they know who God is from the best of us, but they also know who God is from the worst of us. Hmm. Right. And I'm not talking the worst of us people, the worst of us, like the worst of me and the best Mm -hmm. of me. Both those things are showing people who God is. Hmm. So I need to be constantly in the discipline of of producing and working towards fruit, which means that I've got to be connected to the vine with that real vital connection. Yeah, I'm not sure if you're saying this, but it almost sounds like even our ability to be honest with our struggles. Mm -hmm. Um. And what 
we sense God is pruning in us is uh, a participating piece in others being able to identify and consider what God might want to prune in them. So it's it's kind of the whole package. It's not just celebrating right. victorious life, right? Right. Sometimes Christianity has been about in the kind of way that sooner or later people are going, yeah, you're kind of a plastic-haired Ken doll situation here, and my life it feels a lot more gritty than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things I've tried to say over the last 10 years here at Crosswalk is when you give your testimony, give nothing but an honest testimony. Mm-hmm. Do not testify to that which you have not experienced. So if you are struggling with God, that is your testimony. And that testimony is 100% valid and probably way more effective than this is how it, this is what it is, even though I've never experienced. Don't say that. Because yeah. that's not, A, you're lying to those people. You're also setting them up for a vast disappointment that God didn't show up the way he showed up in this person's life. And he didn't right. even show up in that person's life because that <clears throat> was never something that was A, promised or B, reasonable to even get. Like the the honesty in which I think we as Christians have to recognize the struggle, the joys, the triumphs, and the failures of our particular life. Um, like life is life. It's a real life. And so right. don't speak to don't speak to the animated version of it, right? Speak to the rea- the reality and the grittiness of it. And th- I think that's really powerful for people when a Christian says, "I follow Jesus Christ, and here's everything that's falling apart in my life, and God yeah. is still so good yeah. somehow." And I'm really yeah, hoping, right. like, it feels that way eventually. Yeah, it's the it's the turn of you know in in our weakness, His power is made perfect, right? Because we've come to this mm-hmm. idea of thinking that well, if I do it right. If if I if I pray the right number of hours and I read the right scripture and I interpret it the right way, I do these things that I'm going to be a force to be reckoned with, and you know nothing and no one can can take me down. And so, if you're struggling, you think that's a sign that you're not doing it well. You're you're right. not a good Christian, right? And so that's why I think we have a tendency to kind of up that. Well, you know, this is this is what God has shown me. But I think I've always told um, young adults that I've worked with because we tend to glorify the big testimony of, oh, I was in in this trapped in this life of horribleness, and then God rescued me. Um, but isn't it just such as much a testimony to say, you know, I I was born uh, a Christian and I've gone through all this stuff, and guess what? I'm I'm still a Christian. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, I think that that's just as as big of of a testimony to to share. And I, you know, going back to the evangelism thing a little bit because I know we've all said this. Like, evangelism isn't a program; it's the attitude of your heart towards Jesus, right? right. Um, and and I think that that's because you know we've when we when when evangelism is just a, this program, it's it's forced fruit. You know, it's, it's like we're saying, you know, you know, anything in season, out of season, you're sitting there like, oh, I'm going to produce bananas. I'm going to produce bananas right now, you know, um, and, and, and that's not really, you know, that's not how it works. There's seasons, there's growth, there's periods of growth, and there's periods where, you know, the, that growth looks different. It doesn't mean you're not growing, right. um, you know, and, and I think that that is an important um, distinction to make as well in this in this process, because when it's a relationship, when it's, you know, the abiding, when it's something that comes out of the overflow of the heart, um, right. Then we don't have to sit there and tell our people, you know, go and share with somebody about the goodness of Jesus. You do that because you're just so enthralled with him. You're so touched by him. 
um, you have hope in, in difficult times. Um, and you want other people to have that too. Right. Mm. Right. You know, I love that. At least to me, the main word that screams out of this section of John 15 is the word remain or abide. I don't know why yeah. remain feels less religious to me than abide. Right. <laughs> but mm-hmm. but, um, but I, it made me think, I was talking to Patty a little bit earlier this week about the metaphor of electricity, right? When you think about it, you've got the you've got the life-giving power of this this grape vine, which is the root system and the vine. And then you've got the branches at the end of which would one day be fruit. And it's about being connected and the flow of all the nutrients and the nourishment goes through to the fruit. So our, our role as branches is just keep things connected, right? And I was thinking right. about the, the, the metaphor of electricity, right? You have a toaster that you plug in and it's doing something. You have the generator somewhere and and then we're kind of the wires and our big deal is to stay connected, right? And this thinking kind of made me um, just kind of reflect on, uh, I've always loved the title of Eugene Peterson's book, uh, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know this so book, yep. which of course he takes from a quote from Frederick Nietzsche. Um, and I, I just went back this morning because of, uh, you know, this is my sermon prep day on on a Thursday um, and just read the introduction to that book again. Oh, mm. so good. Mm. He, he has a bunch of little different metaphors that he's trying to say, OK, here's where we're headed here. And one of them is the contrast of Christianity as a tourist versus a pilgrim. Mm. The tourist is interested in going and visiting interesting sites, and maybe mm. that's why somebody would come to crosswalk. I'm curious. I want to see something or, or I'm a fan of pastor Patty. So I'm going to go and I'm going to see this kind of celebrity. I'm going to see this place. <clears throat> and, and the tourist tends to create monuments, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and in contrast, the pilgrim is one who is on a lifelong journey, Right. I love this notion of being on a journey that's in the same direction. There are trips and falls and there are stalls and there are all sorts of issues. But he then talks about the contrast of a monument in Christianity versus putting down footprints in Christianity mm-hmm. and that it is a journey contrasts um, that that whole idea of tourism with being a disciple or another word for that being an apprentice, right? Yeah. So that uh, our Christian journey, and this is where, you know, I think you can read John 15 and you can see it because it starts get littered with the word or some derivative of the word command, mm-hmm. <laughs> command, mm-hmm. commandments. Can you do it? Can you not? And Peterson in, in his, in his approach is describing it's about being willing to remain and being willing to be an apprentice and fail in the presence of Christ rather than, so it's much more of an apprentice journey than it is a test day, right? Mm -hmm. You're following my commandments. Well, okay, let's take the quiz. Let's take the test and see how you do. It Mm. is this willingness to keep laying down our footprints in the same direction um, of Jesus. Yeah. And it's, and commandments is always at the, you know, it's, it's the remaining and it's the abiding that, that kind of comes first. Like we, we, 
we love, we, we obey, we follow the commandments because we love, um, not in order to be loved, right? That's the difference right. between, because some of this can sound transactional once you get into that right. commandment conversation, right? And it's, it's not transactional. Um, it's just saying, hey, in a, in a loving relationship, this is what you do. Um, and there's times and that's really hard. There's times in our, yeah. our spousal relationships where it's really hard to love. But again, Jesus never promised us that this was an easy road. Um, there are times when it's going to be a challenge. Pruning hurts. Discipline, you know, is hard. But God always does these things, you know, in order to help us grow. He wants us to produce that that fruit in our lives. And um, uh, and that and he knows that along the way that's going to be tough at times. Um, but it's for our good. You know, the John text, and that's so good, Patty. The John text is really interesting because at the end of the pericope, which is John 15, 1 through 11, right? Um, at the end, it says, um, if you keep my commandments, you show that you love me. But in John 14, it says, if you love me, you keep my commandments. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? And so I, like, I read it and I was like, is that the right order? Is, what's mm. this translation? And then mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, I'm actually thinking of a different text. And so I go back to 14, and then I find it there, and I'm like, okay. So Jesus says it both ways. Yeah. If you love me, you keep my commandments. If you keep my commandments, you love me. It seems that he was not differentiating between those two things mm -hmm. because he understood, the, he understood, first of all, what the commandment was, right? Mm -hmm. The commandment is to love. Yeah. Right. Let's be super yeah. clear. And I always feel like, and maybe I don't need to, but I always feel like I need to reiterate that mm. when we speak about the commandments. And that's, I think, a faith tradition thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I never thought about the commandments as love. I thought about the commandments as keeping. Yeah. Right? To-dos. Um, yeah. List. Yeah. The to-do list of what we're supposed to do. And, and yeah. I think that leads to a legalism that's probably not super healthy. So when I understand that, you know, our job is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, love your neighbor as yourself, then okay. Then... I'm keeping the commandments to love, and because of love, I'm keeping the commandments, and the commandments are love. And what is fascinating to me is that that makes some people so angry that you're a <laughs> church that all you do is talk about love. And I'm like, I'm right. a church, we're part of a church that is trying to honor Jesus, and every time I go back to yeah. his language, it's the language of love. It all starts there. Look, even what you just quoted, where I, I think I have that in, in some of my sermon notes for this weekend, is like when Jesus talks about those commandments, when he says the greatest commandments are to love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself, he says everything else hangs on right. me. Right. All the law, right. all the prophets, if you're not starting in love, and in verse 9 in John 15, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. Right. Like, right. like stay in there. And you're right. I get the same thing. I get the, oh, you guys are the lovey church. I'm like, I well, hope so. so. Yeah. And of <laughs> course, take, the, seven, that. Yeah, right, right. the 17th <laughs> verse, it, could it be more clear? Okay. This is my command. Love right. one another. So remain, 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 remain. What? What? What's this remain? Remain connected. Remain in love. Remain connected to my love. And by the way, when you're connected to my love, it can't help but come out the other end of who you are. Right. And so the fruit has to be love. So <laughs> that, that, that yeah. feels weird the way you said that. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Uh, we'll keep the fruit metaphor. Um, <clears throat> but <laughs> Whew, that's disturbing. Anyway, so fascinatingly. Yeah. 
fascinatingly, because this the, I, I love reading John 15, thinking about it at, in terms of personal discipleship. But I think there's also the second layer, which is about our community in Christ, our church. And I was thinking about this. My, my wife um, loves, loves, loves ginkgo trees. Um, in the in the northeast, especially when it go, when it frosts, a ginkgo tree, big ginkgo tree, it's green, fan shaped leaves turn a very bright yellow, and uh, it's so beautiful. <clears throat> so we've planted two little ginkgo trees in our front yard. Now the thing is, first few years they don't grow very much, and one of the things that happens is these suckers grow, and one of the ways the, they grow from the root ball up out of the ground. And so it's like you've got these other little ginkgo trees growing up. And you might look at them and think, okay, that's cute. And that's nice. And maybe we have a forest of ginkgo trees right here in this square two feet. Uh, That's not the way that's going to work. Those suckers actually rob energy from the tree for it to grow in actually the direction it it would keep growing. But in these suckers, it would dwarf the tree, right? And I just think that sometimes we willingly get allow ourselves distraction from the central thing mm-hmm. there are yeah that's absolutely ginkgo that's coming up there but it needs to be pruned away because it is a um a siphoning off of the energy that ought to be going to the growth of the tree and i think that we can lay claim to true things that are a distraction from the true growth of the vine um, in ourselves and in others. And Jesus tries to make it so plain here that we couldn't possibly be confused as to say, yeah, command, yeah, remain, yep, vine to the, yes. And by the way, if it's not connected to this, should be trimmed out. Right. And what is this? Love. It couldn't be yeah. more plain in this passage. Yeah. I feel like the best sermon on this whole text would be just to stand up there and be like, don't go. Mm. No, just yeah. just stay. Yeah. Yeah. Just stay here. No, don't go. Just stay here. I mean, it would be a little tedious for everyone for 30 minutes of that, I suppose. Yeah. But in the end, in the end, yeah. right? That's the call. Don't just just stay. And you know. I, I feel like that about church too, and then we could, should probably wrap up. Um, but I feel that way about church too. I, I know that there are times where we feel connected to church, and times when we feel like we're a little further away from church, and and we have a tendency to like sub <clears throat> sub substitute that for the way that we feel about God. Um, we need to be careful about that, right? <clears throat> but but what I want to tell people, like when they're struggling or when they're having time, like, hey, just come, just come back, and just. Mm. Yeah. You don't you don't need to serve, you don't need to do anything. Just be around the people of God. Just remain because if this is an avenue that allows you to continue to be closer to the vine, let us help you do that. And yeah. let us do it for you when you can't because we'll hang on to you too. Yeah. Yeah, amen. You know. Well, that's good, Tim. Yeah. Yeah, help, so. let, let us hold you there in that place. I mean, I it, a prayer that I've been praying, you know, recently is is like God, I I know because you know we use this language of like, well, God showed up in this moment, and it's like, well, I I think God was in the moment. I think I showed right. up, um, you know, and right. I realized that He was there already, um, you know. So with that in mind, and with thinking about things like abiding and remaining, it's been that this prayer of God, I know you're with me. Like, as I go about my day, help me to be with you, you know, right. h- help me to be aware. 
of where you're at and what you're doing and what you're up to, to, to remain in your love and not get mm-hmm. caught up and distracted and taken away by everything that the world throws at us on a, on a daily basis. And, and that's why I also need community because exactly like what you just said, Tim, there are times when that's so hard for me that I just need other people that can surround me in that love and remind me of it. Um, because I'm not always going to be able to, to, you know, pray that prayer or live that out. Mm. Right. Yeah, Absolutely. I was thinking as Tim, you and Patty were just talking that <clears throat> the call for us as leaders um, in in our spiritual communities is to um, be unwavering in our protection, our commitment to loving communities. Mm-hmm. The interesting reality is that unloving communities often make us desire to actually drop off entirely or to respond unlovingly. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the wild challenge, isn't it? In the face of, and you know, we've, we've spent time praying and talking and, you know, strategizing about what it means to be in a politically charged year. Um, I, I, I just was over this last weekend also looking at just a fair number of quotes and little articles um, Martin Luther King Jr. was responsible for. And um, I just am routinely amazed as I, as I reflect this man's capacity to take a punch mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and, and stay, you know, it's that long obedience in the same direction, yeah. putting your footprints down by Jesus footprints and you can, you can face plant in the direction yep. of Jesus and it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's our call, isn't it? That we yep. would fight with the uh, substance of love being our war, war pieces, right? Yeah. That's beautiful. That's good, guys. Thank you so much. Listen, hey, thank you for listening to the Sacred Echo podcast. Um, sorry we took a week off. We're, you know, we're human. Uh, but um, <laughs> And we we'll, were in we'll Portland, back. and you know what's going on. And we were in Portland. In Portland. So what's that? All right. Anyway, thank you guys um, so much. Listen, if you want this content and more, um, we've all got podcasts out of our preaching, as well as um, Unapologetics that I do with Dr. Alex Bryan. Um, and we also have the Abide podcast. We want to make sure... Maybe we should call it the Remain podcast after today, but the Abide <laughs> podcast, we want you to check that out with Pastor John Ciccarelli, and that's kind of an unhurried sitting at the feet of Christ every single week, plus the podcast for our series guide. There's so much. Go to um, crosswalkvillage.com and check out everything that we have to offer. And if you feel like you can, we'd love you to have we'd love to have you support it a little bit financially too, so we can continue to do this work. Thank you so much, Patty, Dave. Thank you guys so much. Have a great day. And of course, love well. Thank you so much for joining us on the Sacred Echo podcast. This has been brought to you by Lovewell Creative in partnership with Crosswalk Church. If you would like to give for more digital content, please go to www.crosswalkvillage.com give and click on the online option under fund. Thank you so much for giving. Thank you so much for supporting. And thank you so much for being part of what God is doing through Crosswalk Church and Lovewell Creative.